so wonderful to us. Before we read our scripture today, I understand you know, people moving around need to use the restroom and things like that. So I wanted to take this time to thank you each one personally for the tokens of love, the, the, the cards, the gifts, all of that. However long ago it was I was with you, I appreciate that so much. It, it, it means so very much to me. I, I do appreciate that. I never, I, I never expected such, but I, I love you for that. I pray God bless you so richly for it. Thank you, Brother Matt. Uh, I don't know how many of you know that I, they, they get me uh, the, the Time Life magazine, uh, the original May 17th issue, and I never thought I'd be able to hold one, much less be able to own one, so that's such a blessing to me, and I appreciate that. And if you hold it up to the light and you see that, that mysterious supernatural cloud, you can see that moon rainbow on the back of the page. It kind of shines through. The Bible says there's a rainbow about his head. You believe that this morning? See, we're not sitting this morning in a Baptist church. We're not in a Pentecostal church. We're not in a Methodist. You name them. We're in a message church. We believe that God sent a prophet in this day. You believe that this morning? And that's the word. That's the fellowship. That's what we're feasting around, what God did in this day, in this hour for you. I believe that today. I believe that with all my heart. I, I appreciate God's mercy to us as we travel so far, uh, probably 2,500 miles thereabouts, round trip, something like that, and, and God's mercy upon us. We got to fellowship with three other churches, not counting the camp, so that was very wonderful. Met other brothers and sisters of yours and mine that, that are praying for you. They, they told me they're praying for you, and I believe it. I, I love that we're not the only ones. I love that we're not the only ones, that, that God's got a body all over this planet, and I'm proud and very thankful to be a part of that body. I'm glad to know that I've been birthed into that body. You don't, you don't just you know, join, you know, now you put your name on a boat, you've got to be born into it. You've got to be birthed into that body, and I'm very thankful to be a part of the body of God. I appreciate that. You feel the same way this morning. Okay. Also, I wanted to say how happy we were about our fellowship yesterday. That was wonderful. What God did for us there, we had four different churches plus ours that come out and fellowship with us. Uh, three from Missouri that we represented. We had one from Oklahoma, so it was wonderful. We'll do it again. I understand the weather. <laughs> Just Satan don't like it when people get together. Maybe you didn't know that. Satan don't like it when people get together around the Lord, do something for the Lord. We probably had, you know, had a drought for so long. We need the rain, but then with the wind and everything else, it made it hard, but that's okay. We went inside, and, and God did what he did in there. And I appreciate him for that. Satan, he, 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 he ain't as big as he thinks he is. I appreciate God's mercy to us. I'm not the only one, right? Okay. God is good. God is all power. What a mighty God we serve. I appreciate all of his mercy to us. I want to say that before we got started. Is everybody back in? Let's go ahead and stand back up just real quick. I understand we have different people have to go to the restaurant, musicians, and, and I wanted everybody to be a part of this, uh, this scripture. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Our, our, our sermon title today is what the Lord has put on our heart that that. We, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 37. Now, <coughs> did I do that wrong? No, I'm sorry, verses 3 through 7. I missed a dash. Forgive me. I'm like, there's not a 37. Now, I wanted every one of you, we'll put it on the board. You've got your Bible. I want you to read this with me. And if you believe this, if you believe what we're about to read, I'd like you to read it out loud with me as we read this. We're going to read verses 3 through verse 7. If you do not believe this, don't read it. But if you believe it, let your words be spoken into life because this identifies you with it. You're putting your faith. You're putting your trust in what God has. This is for your protection. Chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Say it again. Mighty through God. You believe that this morning? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. You may be seated this morning. I like to stand in the honor of reading God's word. I love to, I love to read it together because there's nothing else that's true. I believe that Paul was a prophet, and if you were to look at how his life began and, and all, that he, all the mistakes that Paul made beforehand, I've said many times, you'd have never wanted to have been Paul's friend when he was Saul. You'd never wanted to have been his friend. The Bible says that after they just got done smashing Stephen's head in, that Saul consented to it. That he consented to it. Saul was, thumbs up, good job, smash his head in. That's good. He's preaching in that name of Jesus Christ, tear him down, burn him down, kill him. That was Saul. You believe your Bible, right? That was Saul. But then something happened. God changed his life. God quickened that seed. God had a use for that vessel. So God brought him back in a relationship with him. I I said brought him back. Because remember, only the predestinated is even considered in redemption. If he wasn't there with him in the beginning, he won't be there with him in the end. Do you believe that this morning? All right, stay with me. This weapon this that God has for us, it, it is so strange to the world. It seems so, uh, you, as far as just your natural, uh, you know, th- uh, as far as any kind of battle that's ever been fought with, with physical strength, with, with physical uh, vigor and, and zeal, everything, how that man would go after another man and they kill each other. It's always got to be the biggest, toughest, strongest guy. And that's the typical way that most men are raised. You'll get up and walk it off. You're, you think you've had a cut like that. You've never seen pain like I've felt. And there's a nonstop in perpetuating such a thought. And I'm, I'm not the only one. You, even the women have heard such a thing. And, and they think that that's masculinity. That's not a man. That's a brute. Being a great, big, strong man, that don't make you a man. That, uh, uh, someone like that, the prophet would say, he would take a, a, a rip a baby out of a woman's arms and ravish her. He said, that's a brute. He said a man would lay his life down for her. He would not just give his death for her, but he'd get up each day and live for her. Each day, each day. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's not fun. There are things that you struggle with, but each day I'll get up tomorrow. I'll get up tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, and I'll be here, body, soul, and spirit. You heard me. Body, soul, and not just a, I'm here, but you know, I'm, the body's home, the lights are on, but nobody's home. I know a lot of dads like that. And you're failing your people. If that, wherever you might be, you're failing your children. You need to be there, body, soul, and spirit. That's the truth this morning. Body, soul, and spirit. It is your responsibility, your children. It's not anyone else's. The, the husband is the pastor of that home. I believe that. I believe in a headship in a, in, a, in a man and a woman's house, and I believe the way God has set that up. I don't have time to get in the Bible and read it to you, but it is nothing but the truth. This is how there's success in that home. Now, you'll notice the way Satan brought his war against this country is that he tore the home apart, tore it down. 
He tore it down. And you look at the sly and the, the, the wily way that he did it. And you had, you had all the World War II was one of the biggest perpetuation of it that pulled men away. Women had to step into that role. And you understand all that Satan did to do that. And, and it was a need, but God never instituted that to be that way. It was always meant to be walking in harmony together. Don't get quiet on me now. Walking in harmony together. The man is supposed to be the one that, makes a, that provides for the family. The woman has her job at home. They're equally as important. Equally as important. It's not that if times aren't tough that a woman shouldn't be able to have a job or, or maybe when the children move out. You know, I understand there's grace for that. But that wasn't meant to be that, that you take your children and drop them off at a daycare and you go to work just because you want the, uh, what's the word, the freedom or the, or the flexibility of your own money. That's not. That's what devil does to break that institute. It's the truth. Now, Satan's also got it such a way where with, with everything moving through finances, through all the want and the deceivableness of riches that, that it would make that, a, that you think as a couple, well, we both have to work to get the things we want. I've seen that a lot in my life. I, my, my brother-in-law and his, his wife, the first wife, they, they had the hard time. They both worked nonstop to afford the things they wanted, nonstop. They, they never even saw each other because they had to work nonstop before the things they wanted. It's not the things you need. The Bible says, be ye therefore content with food and raiment. And you find in the deceivableness of riches, the deceivableness of riches, Satan will use that to tear you apart. We're talking about warfare now. We're talking about warfare. I'm not talking about your picnic party. I'm not talking about going to a social event. I'm talking about war. You hear me? Now, I, I, oh, you know all these things. You, you, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to anyone that's not understood what Satan has done. But he tore that family apart. He tore that husband apart. He tore that wife apart. And then he went after your children. He went after your children. You, you stand as the doorpost. You stand as the guards. Just like those two angels with the fiery swords at the gates of Eden. A husband and a wife, a godly husband and wife, stand there to protect their children. With a flaming sword of the Spirit of God, of the Word of God, that will defeat any army, any demon that comes your way. You can trust me this morning. This is scriptural. You can defend yourself with the Word of God. See, you're not again, you're not in a picnic. This isn't some, don't let Satan trick you and let you just kind of lull you to sleep and, and bring you a lullaby and think, well, it's not so bad. No, every second you're awake is a fight. Every second you're awake is a fight. Right now in this room, as soon as we got here, Satan come at us. Full out press, trying to discourage, trying to irritate, trying to fight, trying to frustrate, everything to stop what God would do right here, right now in this room. This ain't a joke. This ain't a joke. You've not been called to some silly little thing. You've called eternal life. Now, Satan don't want you to have it. Satan understands the timetable. You imagine everything Satan does, he hears a ticking clock. Everything Satan does, he hears a constant ticking clock because in his mind, that time is not set. In the truth, it is. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing God doesn't have already planned out. He knows the exact day. Satan does not know the exact day because he was an angel. These things are not revealed to angels, but he can read the book and he see his end where he's going. And he understands that what puts him there is an adopted, redeemed, manifested son and daughter of God. So if he can keep you from that this morning, you won't be that way. So he's got more time. So it's constant, constant, constant at you to distract you, to bring all these things against you, to just smother you out to where you won't be on fire for God. Does it sound anything like your fight? Does it sound anything like the devil comes at you the way he comes at me all the time? It's unreal. It's unreal, but it's a battle. 
And we're not to be, we're not to be uh, you know, lazy, we're not to be lax, we're, not, we're to be just constantly watching, looking every step. Which way? Which way, Lord? Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. I understand that I'm a battle. I'm in a fight. I understand that. I heard a brother just say, was witnessing to me something Brother Jewel Forney said talking about how the devil will use your entertainment. And, and it's interesting because just that morning that he told me that, 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 that evening was listening to a sermon going down to preach for a brother in, uh, in Anderson. That, uh, there's a, I heard it before that Brother Neville had preached uh, back in 1963. It's called The God of Elijah. And it's on YouTube. It's a beautiful sermon. About an hour long. It'll bless your heart to hear it. And he's talking about that. And, and, he, and he makes that in a way he said that, um, my goodness, I can't even remember it. Give me a second. I'll get you. He had said, the world wants more areas of recreation. The world wants more areas of recreation. The best way to forget God is to turn your life into fun and entertainment. The best way to forget God is to turn your life into fun and entertainment. So I, I believe, Brother, Brother Neville, you know, Brother Brown was sitting in the crowd when he preached that, the God of Elijah. So this brother tells me what brother, I'm going to take my coat off, I got hot. What brother uh, Jewel Forney had made a comment about how Satan will come at you with your phones, with your laptops, with your computers, with TVs. And that's something that I've, this devil used to beat me up for years on being addicted to a TV and watching every little show. And you would lose hours and you'd lose a day before you blinked because you get wrapped up in some silly nothing. He said what the devil does when he tricks you like that, he makes you prostitute your time to him. Prostitute your time to him. Your time don't even belong to you. You believe me this morning. Your time, if you've been bought with a price, does not belong to you. You have forfeited your rights to the one that bought you. You've surrendered your life to the one that bought you. So every second you're awake belongs to him. So when he can get you with entertainment and any little thing, any, any sly, he uses every little thing to distract you from the way of life. Because he can keep you beat down and discouraged and no victory in your life. Anybody want victory in their life? I want victory in my life. Now, this verse 5, and I've shared this with you before, uh, how much this scripture means to me. God quickened it to me, I don't know, 20 years, 18, 17, 18 years ago. Would get really discouraged with being slow with work or somebody not paying as far as the business, things like that. And we'd have times it would be really lean. And it would drive by your Powerball, uh, your signs here in town, and it would be so many millions. Like right now, it's so many billion. And I'd get to thinking, man, if I had that, I'd pay that bill off. I'd pay that bill off. I'd be able to buy me a house. buy me, a, And I'd get, I would just be gone. I would lose, I would exit uh, whatever I was in, and my imagination would pull me away. And, and But it's not meant to be that every test has a purpose. Every single test has a purpose. If you're sitting right here right now, no money in your pocket, no money in your bank account, none of these things, if you're living your life like your life right with God, if you paid your tithes and your offers and nothing between you and him, he won't hold nothing from you. So if you're in a moment right now where your money's not coming in and something's wrong, it's for your test. You're, that way you walk away and say, I believe he's still a provider. I believe he's still a provider. Now, I have went through this test so many times in my life, and I'll go through it again till he'll once again prove to me he is a provider. Now, that imagination, and it's not just through some kind of powerball sign or anything of the like. It's anything he can do to get you out of what God's doing in that moment. He would say, well, you know, pull away from your trial. Pull away from your test. Don't pay attention when you walk through the furnace of fire. If he'd have told our brothers that, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they might not have seen that son of man walking around. Because you're not alone. All things are for your sake. All things at all times and all places 
work together for your good. So if you're in a furnace of fire, if you've got demons throwing arrows at you, where's he at? He promised he'd be right there with you. Actually, he promised he'd go before you. That's what he promised. So if he can distract you, you can't even see your help. You can't even see where your, 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 your deliverance and your protection comes from. Satan is sly. Very, very sly. We was reading, uh, Brother Michael and Sister Denise King brought us up a book, uh, a, a big old tote of books they had for a long time. And I don't have a full copy. I don't have a full set of, um, of the message. And I do want to get a full set of actual book to have in my library. Not that, that I worship the book or anything like that, but I mean, I've got them all in here. I've got them all on my phone and things like that, but I, I like paper copies. I like to be able to hold that. So she brought me up a book, and I've actually never really, never owned myself one of the seven seal books. And I, these books were owned by someone else before, and I was flipping through it, and I come upon a spot that kind of just grabbed me. As I would read so far, the Lord would show me something. Read a little further, the Lord would show me something. And I come across a part in the fourth seal, and I want to read that to you. And I'd already, the Lord had already been dealing in my heart about what to preach today. I think he gave it last week or whenever it was. But so when I, when I come across it, I knew it was for today. In the fourth seal, Brother Brown makes this statement about the fourfold scheme of Satan. The fourfold scheme of Satan. This is the way Satan comes against you. I've said this many times about the word of God is your defense. The word of God is supernatural. The word of God is created. The word of God is the only thing that's true. And we've also shared that scripture with you many times about um, how they took the vain commandments and traditions of man and they turned it the way they used it. It made the word of God none effect. I've shared that scripture with you a lot. They made the word of God none effect. See, the word of God in a believer's heart coming from a believing lips will conquer Satan anywhere, anytime. Anywhere, anytime. So if he can get you to disbelieve God's word and disbelieve your weapon, he's got you. He's got you. So here, here's what it is. He, he knows that if he can get you to disbelieve that, this is from the fourth seal. Paragraph 333. Jesus had made that statement, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, and it's interesting because we've been talking a lot about the, the three t uh, raptures in the Old Testament, three raptures in the New Testament, and how the saints of old that had died before Calvary, they were in that waiting place there in paradise, and they were the last rapture of the Old Testament. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Second Thessalonians says, we will not hinder or prevent them to sleep. Those believers, you will not hinder nor prevent. Well, they died in faith. Yes, they died in faith, and at the time of the rapture, they'll come right back up. No hindrance. No hindrance. Now, there's more than one resurrection. You understand that? There's more, one that, more than one resurrection. That first resurrection is when that bride of Christ is raised from the dead all throughout the ages at the same time of your translation. This isn't a fly away. We need to alter that song. We used to have it fixed before. I, I'm not going to fly away. You understand? They, we, we shared that with you about the, the, when uh, the first man went up to, into space. And he didn't see heaven. He didn't see God, you know, as far as the kingdom and all that. He comes back to earth, and many people became atheists after that fact because we didn't see God up there. It's not a flying off somewhere. The first Thessalonians is talking about raising to meet him. That's the same thing as Revelations 4. That's the same thing as being seated in heavenly places with him in Christ Jesus. It happens here. It happens now. It's a blending. Our prophet has taught us how it's a blending between the two dimensions. So if you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Never die. He that believes in me, he'll give him eternal life. Raise him up in the last days. That's his promised scripture. 
Here comes Satan. Here's, here's Satan's plan. This is the, the four corners with all four corners of the earth with his Protestants and his Catholics and all together marching right up to the battle of Armageddon. Here comes Jesus coming out from heaven with resurrected saints, vindicated word. He said, if God speaks or sends you, he backs up what you say. Do you believe that this morning? If God speaks, if God sends you, he'll back up what you say. He said, notice, if you're an ambassador from heaven, hear me now, if you're an ambassador from heaven, all of heaven is behind you. And heaven is consisted of the word. Of the word, all of heaven. That means all of the word backs you up. All of the word backs you up. That ought to make you scream out this morning. All of the word of God backs you up. All of the word of God backs you up. You're not alone. He said he he comes with his resurrected saints, vindicating that his word is true. Do you believe that this morning? Vindicating that his word is true. So Satan knows that the bottomless pits is ready for him. He knows it. He knows it. It's getting ready. It's ready. He knows it. He said, oh my, while death rode the pale horse, mixed creed and denominations, and followed him to eternal separation from God, that's where he rode them to, to eternal separation. Christ rode his church right into glory, in the resurrection. He said, last part of verse 8, he said, power was given to him. Who is them? The Antichrist called death, and hell followed. Watch his Four-point scheme, Antichrist, the white horse. He kills by spirit, being Antichrist, a spiritual kill. Number two, red horse, kills by the sword, the political power. All through the dark ages, he put 68 million believers to death when church and state united. Black horse, souls, when he give out his doctrine, that damnable doctrinal heresy of hell, of Antichrist, that pulled him away from the life. You hear me? Pulled him away from life. Then the red horse, sorry, jumped ahead. The black horse, souls when he gave out his doctrine, she did that with her fornications. And then he weighed out their food. He weighed out their food, what they give for food, for a balance and pennies and so forth. And then the pale horse rhino, eternal separation from God again. Eternal separation. But he weighed out their food. What grabbed me about that is this message that God has brought in our day. This was not a minor prophet. This was not a joke. This was vindicated by the king of kings himself. This is proof of Revelations 10.1 through 10.7. It's Malachi 4. It's God being here right now. This is life. This is life. This is for your protection. See, I believe that this morning. Now, again, if Satan can get you to disbelieve this, and he's been working ever since back to Cain in the natural realm, working and trying to get him to disbelieve, get him to disbelieve, and started in Nicaea, he started getting a lot of really good work going like that, and it was able to influence and change this as far as his interpretation of it to get it in your mind to where you didn't believe exactly what it said. And so in your mind, he was able to make it of none effect. And we each one sit in this place this morning. But Jesus had made a statement, which is prophecy, because all of his words are prophecy. He said it will be so close at the very last end, it would deceive the very elect if it were possible. 
See, this wasn't, again, your mayor, your governor, your president making this statement who can't back it up. This is the one that gives revelation. This is the one that inscribed your name on the palms of his hand. This is the one that's protected you every day of your life. This is the one that gives revelation. I'm making that clear. He's the one that guarantees you will not be deceived. Now, as you've been raised up, there's things in your life, you know, you're deceived unto death. There are things that you've learned maybe that wasn't quite right, that God comes in and God writes the ship and God fixes those things and he makes it right in your mind. I've had things that I misunderstood and God in his mercy changed that. I wasn't deceived unto death. You're not deceived unto death. Others, because there's no place where they come from, there's no place to go. You understand? Not predestinated, not predestinated to life, never can be quickened to life because they weren't predestinated to life. You've been predestinated unto life. Eternal life, the Zoe life of God. That's why, again, I say this message is for your protection. See, I've said many times that uh, I know people that believe what they would claim the deepest parts of this message. And, and I wouldn't even disagree that they at least have it here. But in their daily lives, they struggle. They have no victory. They don't have love for one for the other. They don't have even, they can't even get a headache healed, much less a toe ache or anything else in between. But they claim to believe the deep parts of God. See, you cannot take this and say, okay, I believe this. Let's sit on the shelf and, and we'll just take a rapture one day. No, it's brought so you'll take a rapture. So that your body, because the rapture is not a poof theory. It's not a poof. One day, poof. You're just, no, it's a day by day, here a little, there a little, and God speaks to you, and he's constantly changing you from the inside out. For when a woman, you, you think about the way the Revelation teaches this about the, the woman that Satan went after the dragon. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. A woman is not impregnated by her husband, and then the very next second that child pops out. No, it takes in a, in, a, in a human body at least nine months, between you know, a certain amount of time to nine months. It takes a time, and it's constantly growing on the inside, growing on the inside. That life, we'll just call it like that, that life is growing on the inside. But if she stopped eating, if she stopped eating, you know, I just, I'm just don't want to eat nothing. That baby is one of the first ones to die. It is killed inside of her. That's no different than with you. If you're not feeding on the word of life, that life gets just weaker and weaker. And not because it's weak, not whatsoever. It's the most powerful thing there is. But you must water it with your belief. You must water it with your amen. You must water it with your sword. And you're saying amen to the word of God. That's how it's watered. I believe that with all my heart. And it, but again, it's not a poof thing. It's a day by day. I'll get up tomorrow. I'll try her tomorrow. And God moves. And each day you learn more and more about him. Each day you start, to pre, you start to emanate or just push out those attributes of God. And before long, like I say all the time, you're just gone. You're just gone. It's that simple. Enoch walked with God, and one day he was not found. It's just that simple. It's not a poof theory. We don't fly up like sheets into the air, and that's where the rapture is. The prophet cleared all that up for us. It is not like that. It is not like that. I want to read this to you from the message just one more time, Lord. 1963, January the 20th. This would have been, what, two months or so before the sent with the, sent with the shout and, the, and the, the, pre, the, the, the preaching of the seven seals. But it's still very, very good. I don't want you to as far misunderstand what I'm saying. He said, while I'm reading or speaking, while I'm reading or speaking, this is the prophet, just remember, the omnipresent God is always here present. He said, I'm reading or speaking, just remember, the omnipresent God is always here present. Do you believe that this morning? That the omnipresent God is in this room right now. You really believe that? 
He said, and as a brother said about the epileptic of that last time that we were here, God can heal cancer. He can heal paralysisism, whatever it is. He has already done it. He has already done it. If he can just get you to believe that, if he can just get you to believe that God's already done it. I'm going to stop there just a minute. Do you believe William Brown to be a prophet? Do you believe William Brown to be Malachi 4, 5, and 6, Revelation 10, 7? Do you believe that when God spoke through him, that was God? That was the Zoe life of God speaking. So this is the same as God speaking. And he's trying to tell you when God did something for you, it's done. It's done. He healed you. It's done. It's over. You just have to believe it. You just have to believe it. It's over. Now, in our lives, there are templates there are different things God in his mercy will let you come right to. There's other things he'll make you strive for. He'll make you, he'll make you uh, be pressed for. He'll make things that you'll have to prove him over and over and over. Lord, I'm still believing. And you can find that same example with Abraham. For 25 years, he'd been given a promise. And Brother Brown would teach you that every day somebody would come by, how many kids you got today, Father of Nations? I thought you said Elohim told you something. He did. I believe it. Well, where's your kids? He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. I believe it. My promise will come. And he held on, and he held on, and he held on. Word of God is true. It's absolutely true. He said, you're not saved tonight. You've been saved. You were saved 1,900 years ago. Now, maybe tonight you'll accept that salvation, but it's already paid for. The debt has been cleared up. Those of you that have a mortgage... Maybe you've been a, going through hard times. Maybe you're 90 days late. Maybe you know you're about to lose it. Maybe things have been real bad for a long period of time. And someone just comes along and just pays it all off. Just pays it all off. Not just catch you up the 90 days, whatever the money was, but steps in and writes them a check and pays off the entire loan. Everything you had old of. Someone did that for you. And I'm not talking about just your house. I'm talking about every sin, every mistake, everything that fell under that atonement of that blood. He paid for it, and it's already done. He paid for it, and it's already done. He said it's already paid for. The debt has been cleared up. The devil that put you in the pawn shop, Jesus came and redeemed you, opened up the doors, and the only thing you have to do is walk out and claim your liberty. Walk out. Walk out. I shared that with you back in March. We were at that youth camp in Pawnee, and the brother was making that statement about walk out of a complex. I didn't even realize at the time how many complexes I had, how many things, and what complex, what the devil does. He takes those complexes, and he just does you this way with it. <clears throat> just like a cockleburr. Cockleburr is just a seed of something that's all shriveled up. All the life is left, it, and it just does this, and it pushes out thorns. That's all it is. But once that water, that life-giving resource comes to it, it opens up, and it's like a flower spreading its petals. But it's what devil does. He'll throw these complexes and offenses on you. He'll have someone say something to you, hurt your feelings, or, or something to try to make you mad and try to shut you down where you can't keep your arms open. But he's a liar. Walk out. Just walk out of it. He said, the only thing you have to do is walk out and claim your liberty. He said, that's all. He said, you have a receipt from God that the debt is paid. Woo, that's powerful. You got a receipt from God that that debt is paid. Jesus said in his last words, it is finished. It's finished. You know that he spoke with tongues right before he said that. 
that the king of kings, Elohim, hang on a cross, spoke with tongues. Eli, Eli, Lama Sabbatai. He spoke with tongues right before he said, it is finished. Got to got to keep moving. I can't get off in that. I won't have time to get very far today. He said that he, he has, he, uh, where were we at? He said, it is finished. Every redemptive blessing was completely finished. Somebody say amen to that this morning. Every redemptive blessing was completely finished. I believe that with all my heart. Every redemptive blessing. God's great wrath on sin. When he became sin for us, it was the debt was settled. Satan, listen to me, has no more power. No more power, only as he can bluff with it. He can bluff with it. Bluff with it. Do you imagine, I've never played, played poker or any kind of games like that, so I've never, never had to have been in that situation where bluffing comes from. And, and you have guys sitting there that have a terrible hand and, and all these different things, and they know they cannot beat you. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt they can't beat you, but they can bluff you and lie you and make you fold or give up and just walk away when you've got the winning hand in your hand. And they've got nothing, nothing. Satan's a bluff. Satan's a liar. Satan's a con man. The door to the prison, by the way, ain't even locked. It ain't even locked. He got no keys. He got no keys. He can't even lock the door to lock you in. You're just in there. Just I guess it's where I belong. No, house of hell, give way. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. House of hell, give way. He has no more power, only as he can bluff with it. If he can bluff you into it, all right, you have to have it. Because you're the only one who's got the power, not him. He bluffed you into it. But legally, listen to this, legally he has no power at all. Every power he had was taken from him at Calvary. Praise the Lord. He said that's where the price was paid. He's nothing but a bluff. If you want to listen to his bluff, all right. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You're free tonight. You're free tonight. You're free right now. Right now, you're free. Because he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Free indeed. He said you've been made free. And now, if something in the Word can make you realize that you're free by His grace, something in the Word can make you realize that you're free by His grace, or if something realizing the Word makes you understand, the Word make you understand, or some act of God, that it included you, that it included you, I say this all the time. It don't help you to know that it includes me, Sam Parker. But you've got to write your name in there. That's my promise. That was done for me. I accept it. I claim it. I go cash it in right now. If your check that when you worked was written to someone else and you can't even go to the bank to cash it out, you're like, well, I guess I'm going to starve again this week. No, it has your name on it. It has your name on it. I believe that with all my heart. If the word makes you understand or some act of God that it included you, it includes us all, then you just accept it on those basis, and you're free. You don't have to feel any different. You don't have to feel anything at all. It's not based upon that. Jesus never did say, did you feel it? He said, did you believe it? He said, it's faith. 
It's faith. And faith is a mighty arm that holds that sharp two-edged sword of God. And that sharp two-edged sword of God will cut every promise free. See why Paul would tell you in Ephesians 6, you got to put on the whole armor of God. you got to put on the whole armor of God. You just can't walk out there with your feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace. Look how these, ain't that nice? Look how I walk with those on. See my feet? Don't, don't look up here. Just aim for the feet. Satan ain't aiming for your feet. He's aiming for every part of your body he can get at. you got to be fully enclosed, wrapped up in that armor. You cannot walk out there just one part of the armor. Paul said put it all on. Put it all on. And that sharp two-edged sword of his word, it'll cut every promise free. If that arm of faith is able to yield that sword, if that arm, this arm, able to yield that sword, the prophet would ask you how much of your faith can be released? How much can I get you to believe this morning of the word of God? How much of his promises can I get you to accept for your life this morning in this place? What if I just got one? What if I can get you convinced of one promise of God that it includes you, that it's for you, that you can take it home right now today and have that victory in your life? What if I can just get you to accept one promise of the Word of God? Will you believe it? Will you believe it's for you? Will you take it and accept it and use it for your life? He said if that arm of faith is able to yield that sword, some people has very weak muscle trouble. He ain't talking about your arm. He's talking about your faith. Very weak muscle trouble. And they just can maybe cut off just a little scratch. Maybe, maybe just enough to join a church. Others can come in the justification. Some can go all the way to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said a great strong arm holding this Bible can cut every promise free. Every promise free. He said, so be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Turn over to Joel chapter 2 with me. What a promise lays in this hour for this believer. Canst thou believe? Joel chapter 2 verse 23. And of course for time I, I can't read a lot of this chapter. I love the verse for part of this because that, that army that describes, and I, it, maybe you read it when you get home later today, that army that it's talking about is talking about you. Those first 20-something verses, whatever it might be, 16 verses, he's talking about you. And you think in your life, well, maybe I'm the weakest Christian. Maybe I, maybe I struggled here. Maybe I can't overcome this yet. But don't worry. When the devil looks at you, that's what he sees. And when he looks at you, that's what he sees. You understand that this morning? So if he can talk you out of it, he ain't got to see that. Like a mighty man, a mighty man of valor. To take the word of God and cut every promise free. Joel chapter 2 verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause you to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The former and the latter. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Wine and oil. You understand what the wine and the oil say, what it all teaches? Revelation and the Holy Ghost. Revelation and the Holy Ghost, that stimulation from the wine of revelation. The oil being the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. I'll stop right there just a minute. I've shared that with you many times about how I've had different debtors in time past. I mean, there's times we went 30, 60, 90 days without any money. 
being being self-employed, being struggling, things like that. And I've had bill collectors tell me, we won't wait past this date. This will be cut off. This will be taken. It'll be this date. And you're like, well, I can't afford it. I don't have it, so I guess you're coming to get it years ago. And then every time they'd wait longer than what they say. They'd wait longer than what they say. They'd wait longer as long as it took to have the money God would provide to keep it. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. And it's not that I'm trying to be foolish with money. It's just been hard times and things like that. But every single time that a bill collector would tell me they wouldn't wait longer, God would make them. Every single time. And I say this because each one of us are sitting here. We all have bills to pay. We have things that you live in this world. You have to have a job. You understand how this works. And Satan will tell you all the time, it will not last past that. It won't go past that. For example, Martha told Jesus he's been dead four days. He's been dead four days. For one, he already died, so that's pretty much done. And not only is he dead, but he's rotted and he's stinking. It's over. It's over. Um, which message? I think it's in trying to do God a will without trying to do God a service without being his will. In that sermon, Brother Ram was telling about a brother. Oh my goodness, what's his name? Can't remember his name. He was wiring a trailer, and somehow or another it rolled off into some water, and this little boy was electrocuted to death. Remember the exact story. He was electrocuted to death. And he said, I thought, he said, he was dead. You understand? Dead. That the father kept trying to, because he seized to death, whatever it was, just the jarring. And, and he said he tried to jam his fingers into his mouth, ripped his fingers open, trying to pull him down so they can do CPR. They just clenched so tight. And he ripped his fingers up trying to get in there to pull it down to even do CPR, but dead gone. And he said, I thought maybe I should try to call Brother Branham and try to find him. He said, but then I remember something Brother Branham told me, where two or three are gathered in my name. Where two or three are gathered in my name. He said, you know what? We can pray. And we prayed and God raised him up from the dead. Raised him up from the dead. He said, what if they'd have said, oh well, he's dead. I guess we should go on. It's over now. It's over. It's no hope. There's no, there's no hope. There's no life. No, no, no. We got a promise. Raise him up. Amen. Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life. He told another story about a sister, and I think it's Brother, on and Brother, Brother Earl and Brother John Martin's sister that had been hit in a car, had in a car wreck, had been T-boned, and it said it snapped her spine in multiple different places. They said she'd be in traction in, 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 in a hospital bed the rest of her life, at least many, 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 many years. And he said that was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. He said, I prayed for her over the phone, and she's sitting in the service tonight walking around. He said, what if she just said, well, this is what happened. It's going to be this way. It's been this way this long. Nothing can ever change. No, you don't know who you serve. You don't know who you serve this morning. There is nothing he can't do. There's nothing he won't do for you. There's nothing he won't do for you. Nothing. Nothing. He said, I will restore. He said, I will restore everything that's went on. I will restore it for you. You think about Job at the end of his life and, and all that he had lost, and he thought, well, my kids are gone, and this is gone. He got double what he ever lost. But, but no, God give it back. But you don't understand. I've went through all these things. I'll never get that back. You don't know who you serve. You don't know who you serve. Verse 26, and he said, you shall eat in plenty. And guess what? Be satisfied. You'll eat in plenty and be satisfied. And I don't just mean today your natural food. I don't just mean your natural food. The Bible talks about there's coming a time where there's, there's famine in the land. Not a famine of wheat, but a famine of hearing the word of God. 
and there's many that won't hear. They've stopped their ears. Satan has gotten in and been able to steal that seed out of their heart. Everybody being on the wrong ground. You understand all that the scripture tells, but but they there is a way that you can eat of the good word of life, of, of, of the life of God, of the bread of life, just like John was told, eat it up. And he says right here, you shall eat in plenty. Not, well, I have this one little thing that, that he's a provider. No, he, I, I have that he's a provider, that he's a healer, that he's a way maker, that he's a lift of my head. He gives me joy. He gives me peace. And, and then you just run out of the day. Just he, He's all these things to me. He is my God, and he fills all time and space. He is all in all. Eat in plenty. And guess what? Again, be satisfied. You satisfied with the Lord Jesus this morning? Satisfied with what God is doing in your life? He said, you'll praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. Dealt wondrously with you. Now, I completely understand the way Satan will fight you in a worship service. He'll come at you in different things like this. Well, I've had a bad day. I'm tired. I'm, I'm all these. And Satan is non, like I said, nonstop press, trying to keep you from raising your hands and worshiping your Lord, like this said. You'll worship him with all your heart, and he can do that to you, try to get you distracted. Well, you know, I don't like this song, or maybe a key was hit, maybe a, a rhythm, maybe all the, and Satan is out every single thing to keep you from just entering into that spirit of worship of your Lord Jesus. And he's constantly doing that to you. Like, well, this didn't work out like I wanted. This didn't work out. Or this didn't work out. Or I didn't like this. I didn't like that. But in Satan's, I got victory. He got victory. But the will of God for your life is to get lost in worship to him who hath dealt wondrously with you. Do you believe that this morning? Lost in worship with him. He said, that dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never, never, never be ashamed. In the message, What Shall I Do With Jesus Called Christ, Brother Ram said the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Spirit that we have worked, that we've worked in a small measure while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. But when that head and body unites together, the full power of the Holy Ghost will raise her up just exactly like that. Even the dead, the dead that's in Christ for hundreds of years ago will rise in the beauty of his holiness and take flight. The dynamics is the Holy Spirit. And then ju jumping forward to 1965, it is the rising of the sun. He asked, who is this son of man? Who is the son of man? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He said, and if all the teaching that we have and confirmation of the word of God by word of God, by signs, by wonders, we see today that in the book of Luke, that as we just quoted from there, Luke 17th and 30th, Malachi 4, the different scriptures that we're acquainted with, and that scriptures that we're acquainted with, he said that that word again is waved over the people. That word, which is the word of God, that's being confirmed by the word of God, is waved over the people. That the dead traditions of man is dead. And the Son of God is alive again with the baptism of the Holy Spirit right among us and is giving us life. Giving us life. As Christ was the first one to raise from all the prophets and so forth, although typed in many places, he was the first fruits of those that slept in the bride coming of Christ. That's your day. In the bride coming of Christ, coming out of the church, there will have to be a sheaf waved again in the last days, waving of the sheep. That's proven to you that it's true. You understand? 
proving to you that it's true, waving of that sheet. He said, hallelujah, I'm sure you see what I'm talking about. It was waved over the people. And the first time they'll come forth for the bright age, again, Revelations 4, for a resurrection out of dark denominationalism will be a message, it'll be a message that the full maturity of the word has turned back again in its full power and being waved over the people by the same signs and wonders that he did back there. I'll read it to you again. For a resurrection out of Everything, man, that Satan used to tear down your thought and your life of Christ, anything that he could throw up at you to bluff you, to con you, to pull you out of, away from your defense of what God would use for your protection, you'll be called out of that. You'll be called out of that. Every false idea, every assumption, everything you imagined that you thought God was, that you thought God would do some time away, that it's actually available right now, he'll pull you out of that. You hear me? He'll pull you out of that with a message that the full maturity of the word, the full maturity of the word has turned back again to its full power. Wait a minute. What would you imagine, as far as you reading the Bible, will be the most powerful thing God ever said? The biggest thing God ever said. What would you imagine? If you got enough of the Bible memorized and, and thought about different parts of it and different testimonies that you see what your creator has done, what would you say perhaps is the biggest thing you can find in the scripture? I mean, as far as big, I don't mean, you know, big and, and pop, but I mean actual big. To me, it's let there be. Let there be. And it was. There's a sun. There's a moon. There's an earth. See, that to me, that's full maturity. That's full maturity. That's creator. You understand that this morning? That's the creator. That the full maturity of the word has turned back again in its full power. So, Brother Ramah tells us when he's sitting in the woods that day. And he's struggling with that Mark 11 about if you say, if you say, if you say to this mountain. He said, Lord, why didn't you just have it right that, you know, if, if the Lord Jesus says. And that scripture, the, the, the Holy Ghost speaks to him and tells him that that scripture is true just like every other scripture is true. And he said that he had him, he said, what do you have need of? What do you have need of? And he said, I, I don't know. I, I, I got a lot of things in my prayer list. He, and the Lord tells me, you know, you're hunting right now. And he's like, he knew he wasn't going to get any squirrels. And he has him speak those squirrels into existence from nothing. It wasn't that, you know, maybe there's a text went out to all the squirrels in the area and they're all supposed to start running this area and you know, run to meet up in this spot here. I want this one here. I want this one to, you know, pick open that door right there and come in and sit on that coat rack and this perch. Away. No, nothing like that. That squirrel did not exist before he spoke those words. I believe that with all my heart. That that squirrel did not have a heartbeat before he spoke those words. You really believe that this morning? That it didn't even breathe before that word was spoken. He said, it'll come from right there. It'll come from right there. It'll come from right there. Every place he knew it was impossible for it to come from. And he spoke and it was there. He said, I had to go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 to find that in the scripture. This was not a multiplying like taking the bread and tearing it, growing back. Taking the fish, tearing it, growing back. Growing back from something in his hand. It come from nothing. Nothing. There was not a squirrel. Now let's take, let's multiply that squirrel. Now we have five squirrels. No, that squirrel did not exist before that. The full maturity of the word. 
Can you believe that this morning? The full maturity of the word is turned back again in its full power and being waved over the people of God this morning. I am taking this word and waving it over you. My words are moving through here. These aren't my words. These are his words. This is what he says about you. This is the Holy Ghost to you right now in this place. I've said this many times that the things that God has for you in this day, too many people would think would be vain imagination. They would think it's science fiction. They think you've lost your mind to think that a man can disappear from this realm and go right to that realm. He would say you've lost your mind. You need to be locked up. That a body can be turned back young again. Can't be done. That a son can be stopped. Can't be done. No, with this power it can. And it will. And it will. Whatever you have need of. Whatever you have need of. This word, the maturity, the full power waved over the people by the same signs and the wonders that he did back there. He said, because I live, you live also. Speaking to his wife. His loved one, his beloved, his chosen before the foundation of the world, speaking to his wife. And if you're not married to him, you don't know him that way today. Surrender all that you have and come to know him today. Because Satan will let you, he'll get you to go so far and he'd be happy with you being just justified, just sanctified, just filled with the Holy Ghost and come no further. But you must be in a marriage union. You must be surrendered day after day after day. Not my will. Thine be done. Not my will. And what does, it brings you in a full relationship with him that it's no longer you that speaks. It's no longer you that speaks. But it's the one that lives within you. And then he makes this statement, what a resurrection that that was. And what a resurrection that this is. And it's not just that those of 1 Thessalonians 4 would be raised up from the dead. It's not just that. It's that you would be resurrected out of whatever Satan has poured on you in your life. And we've shared that with you about who is God, what is God, and where is God. You think about Satan has told you all your life that God is this, he's this, he's this. And then when you come to the actual truth of the word, he's not any of those things. Matter of fact, he can be reached by the feeling of your infirmities. Matter of fact, he did heal all of your diseases, not just four or five. Not just six or seven. As a matter of fact, he did redeem you from every mistake, every sin, every stain. He would say, the prophet would tell you everything that Satan tricked you into. Tricked you into. And he said that he takes that. It's something that a lot of the, folk, the people that believe the two, the two soul, they, that scripture it says the soul that sinneth must surely die. So they believe that God gives you a new soul. No, it don't go on you. You're so redeemed and so washed, it goes back to the one that tricked you into it. You understand this morning? Everything you're guilty of, everything you've done in this world, every lie, every transgression, every iniquity, he took it off you and he threw it right back on Satan. He bore it first, yes, but guess where he put it after? So it's a heavy load walking up with Satan that day of the lake of fire. God is powerful. God is wonderful. He said, you'll know that I am the Lord, your God. What a mighty God we serve. You'll never be ashamed. What will never be ashamed. I want to read that, that next verse right there in verse 28. Joel 2, he said, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, in the blood and fire and uh, and pillars of smoke, pillars of smoke. 
Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. It always, I find it very interesting the things that the Lord will let me say, the things that the Lord will let me get to because I can't come here tonight and come here before you and just say the things I want to say. I can't say the things I think, my own ideas. He, if I've surrendered my life to him, even if it seems maybe even awkward as his speaking to your life. And I walk away sometimes from a sermon. I wish I'd have said this. I wish I'd have said this. I wish I'd have said this. But he can take those words and quicken it to your heart and catch you right exactly with what you need. I believe that with all my heart. And if I've surrendered my life to him this way and you've surrendered your life to him that way, he can speak to you and tell you exactly what you have need of. Second Kings chapter 2, verses 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. And you understand everything that had been happening we all just went through with Elijah just taking the rapture and, and, and going away and all that's just about to be going on. And, and in this particular chapter, verse 9, it says, Did it come to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, and you understand how God showed Elijah how to meet Elisha and how to pick him and how to choose him and throw that mantle on him. He said, It shall come to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. Ask what I'll do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I'll pause there just a minute. You understand that Brother Bram said that, that the bride of this day is a type of Elisha. That she's a type of Elisha. She has a double spirit, a double portion of that spirit, which that spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a double portion. So if you just had the Lord Jesus Christ, now you have double the Lord Jesus Christ. Double. So if just one portion will call fire down from heaven and consume 400 prophets and just do all those things like that, if just one, what will a double portion do? What will a double portion do? <laughs> I pray thee. Where am I at? Sorry, jump down. And it come to pass, where did I start? Okay, I'm so sorry. I started verse 9. Ask what I shall do for thee. And he says, Elijah said, Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, and that's italicized, it's going to happen. If thou see me, when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. He had to have his eyes fixed. He had to have his eyes fixed on that prize, what he had asked for. Verse 11, and it come to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, italicized, there appeared. It just appeared out of nowhere. It just appeared. We'll get to something in just a minute concerning that. There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. You understand it? Busted right between the two of them. You understand that? That's what parting asunder is. Two men are standing side by side and now they're shoved aside and this thing comes right between them. Just parts them both asunder, just like that. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven in a chariot and fire and horses of fire and that whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it. Elisha caught a revelation. Elisha saw it. I see it. 
I say it. I say where my change comes from. I say where my translation, where my rapture comes. Elisha saw it. He caught that revelation of it. He said, that's mine. And he saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and ripped them into two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. They parted that way, and they went that way by taking the same thing that that one used, and it busted it, and it went that way, and it went that way. You believe that happened? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. You know where I'm going. Elisha at Dothan. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of, man of God, uh, the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host, and host come past the city, both with horses and chariots. That means everywhere they looked, every come past. There's horses and chariots everywhere they looked. It was compassed and covered about. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Or Sadie would say, What we gonna do? What we gonna do? Everywhere we look is death. Everywhere we look, you can smell death. You see it. You know what's coming. You can hear everywhere you look is death. Everywhere you look. How shall we do? And he answered, fear not. I, it's it, I, I find it such a beautiful thing how often the Holy Ghost will speak that to your heart. Fear not. Because perfect love overcomes all fear and it casts it out. It, it, you understand? It, it makes you not fear. It, it takes it all away. There's no fear. And there's no fear in love. Fear not. For they that be, and that be is italicized, they that be with us are, and that's italicized, more than they that be with them. And again, Gehazi's probably got to thinking, man, this guy's really starting to lose it. I just looked outside, and everywhere I look, I see the enemy. Everywhere I look, everywhere I look, everywhere. There's not one place. No, 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 they're right over there, too. No, I, no they're over there. Everywhere you look, there's no way out. Everywhere you look. Elisha looks out and saw something different. Elisha had a revelation. Elisha had a revelation. That revelation is for your protection. You understand that this morning? That revelation is for your protection. Again, Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. When you get up in the morning, steal, kill, and destroy. At lunchtime, when you take your lunch break, steal, kill, and destroy. When you want to take a break at 2 o'clock, when you want to go to the bathroom, everything you do, everywhere you go, Satan's plan for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. Everywhere you look. So let me give you some promises of God. The Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear him. I've read that to you recently, how there's an innumerable host, an innumerable host of angels around his wife. Innu that means you can't count them. It means you can't count them. Well, you know what? I can only see so many galaxies away. Oh, they're back there too. As far as you look, that's what's real. As far as you look, that's what's real. They encamp around those that fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I know that he is God, and I proclaim he's my Lord. My Lord. 
He said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. But I don't see them. I don't smell them. I don't hear them. I can't take any five senses. I have zero access, yet they're there. No, well, maybe, maybe when I get, no, no, you're always anointed. Maybe one day I'll be this. No, you're always that. You're that picture that he said and that allots these presents, that allots this, this protection for your life. They're right there right now. Those same angels are in this room right now. The prophet would tell you about your loved ones. He said they're only as far away as you put them. They're only as far away as you put them. We said that here recently about where uh, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, it, just, it says it just, it just appeared, Moses and Elijah. They just, they just appeared. They didn't see the chariot they rode up on. They didn't come up on a car. They didn't, come up, they didn't parachute down. They just appeared. Their eyes were opened. They saw them. Elisha saw it, the revelation. Their eyes were opened to see them and that they were there. He said, they that be with us. Do you believe they're with you this morning? They that be with us are more than they that be with them. Jesus would say it like this. He said that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we've said that many times about what we're about to read. These angels didn't do anything. These angels, that as far as you can look, were chariots of fire. As far as you can look, they didn't do anything because someone else protects you. Someone else defends you. Someone else has promised, I'll go before you and I'll make a way. So here's what Elisha did for his friend Gehazi. He said, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. You've opened my eyes. If you'll open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full, full, full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Round about. Imagine if Elisha always saw those. Everywhere he looked. Everywhere he looked. Can you imagine how it might look, him walking down the streets? Excuse me, sir. Please forgive me. Look back. They're there. They're here. And you're living in a day with the word that's come available that's changing you to where it's not just, it's not just changing your flesh, but it's changing the way you see. Because, again, revelation is not accessible through this thing. Revelation is from here. You can, you can learn, okay, the Bible says this, this, and this, but once it's quickened to you, once it's been made alive, and you notice that change, you start to see him. Say as many times, well, when you start to see the Lord Jesus Christ, everywhere you see him. When you start to see him, everywhere you look, I see him in the blade of grass, I see him in the wind, I see him in the trees. Everywhere you look, you see the creator, because the Bible says he fills all time and space. All time and space. Wow, what a mighty God. When they come down to him, the, these ain't, the, the, all these soldiers that come at him to take him, Elisha prayed in the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. In those days that you speak, it won't be you speaking, it'll be him. According to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria, and it came to pass when they were, can you imagine that parade walking down the road? It looks like that one guy is leading all of those people, and they all look blind. How did you find so many blind people in one place? How did they get their armor on? How are they, how are they riding their chariots down the road blind? Left, right, left, right. 
It came to pass they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? You see what I just told him? A, a prisoner of war. If you and your armies would have overcome someone and took these prisoners, and you say, I got these with my strength, I got these by my prowess, my military ingenuity, all these things, and that's how I got these. And once they're in your prison, would you shoot them with your bow or stab them with your sword? Those are things that you've done. These men that stand before you right now are things that he done. I love that. I love that. He said, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them. Wait a minute. Do good to those that would mistreat me, that would kill me. Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. He prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. They went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. I want to read one more quote to you before we close, if we have our musicians come this morning. This is out of the message conferences, 1960. Remember, weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. And that's why you find so many times that if someone, your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife or your child or your, or your, your dad or your mom, Satan will use those things to try to make you mad at each other, try to irritate you, trying to get between you. It's not the flesh you're warring against. It's not the flesh you're warring against. Satan is trying to get between anything like that, but Satan's defeated. Remind him of it. Remind him of it. You have no place in me. You will not work on me. Verse, uh, paragraph 30 of the message conference is 1916. It might be that with you tonight, doomed just ahead. He said, why didn't Moses do this great runaway prophet? He'd had one conference with God, and he knowed what it meant to him. He knew the only thing to do was to have another conference. So he selected him a place. Perhaps we'd say, I don't know, maybe over behind a certain rock. He went over there, perhaps knelt on his knees and said, Great Jehovah, I read in the scriptures, or by the word that I have, that you're delivering your people. You sent an angel and spoke to me. So you can put your name in this too. This is what God has done in your day. Just like Moses, an angel has spoke to you. God has sent an angel to speak to you. And he's told you these things. Lord God, I read in the scriptures by the word that I have that you're delivering your people. You believe me this morning. You've sent an angel and spoke to me. Has this happened to you this morning? And I'm strictly in the line of duty. Here we are at the Red Sea or whatever test trial mountain you're going through in your life. There's no way to get over. So I thought within myself, there's only one thing to do. I'll never try to rely upon my intellectuals. I'll just come have a conference with you. God said, stand on your feet, Moses. Go speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Never does God ever say retreat. There's no retreat in God. God is go forward. No matter what stage of the battle you're in, if you're backed up and said, I'm afraid of divine healing. I'm afraid of this, that, or the other. I'm afraid about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Speak and go forward. No retreat. Don't come back. There's nothing to back up to. God is always go forward. If it's the line of duty, the line of his word, go on, move on. I know someone went into fanaticism, but that wasn't you. 
Your duty is to go forward until God gets through with you. Just keep moving forward. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. There's no retreat for a Christian. There's no backup. There's no give up. You either, it's just you're going through. You're going through. Satan's telling you all the time you're not going to make it. You're never going to survive. Oh, you're going to make it this morning. He's the one that's not going to make it. You understand that he's the one that's not going to make it. He's the one that can't do it. He's the one that falls down. He's the one that struggles. He's the one that is defeated. He's the one that's beaten. His back is broken. He's a lying con man. And that's all he can do is bluff you. Don't you believe that liar this morning? What are you playing? Oh, blessed are your eyes, for they see the feet of God that was spoken by the prophet long ago. Oh, and
love you for your mercy, Lord. We love you for your presence in this place today, Lord God. Lord, once again, we stand and say there's no God like you, Lord. You're always right on time, Lord. You always meet every need. We love you for being so wonderful to your people. In your holy, holy, holy name, amen. Amen. Let's sing that song where God is tremendous. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. Oh, and he hears me, and he helps me. Oh, he is faithful and true, won't forget his own. He's my companion, my best friend, the only true God. There's no one greater, a wonderful Savior. Oh, Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Oh, our God is tremendous. His strength never faileth. He goes through the fire just to save a sinner. He is almighty. He sends his angels to guide me. There is no storm too powerful. Our God cannot handle. Our God in simplicity revealed in you and me. Down from his glory and gave us the victory, the greatest love story. When you're in trouble, Jehovah Nisi, the great enforcer, God Almighty will fight your battles. Oh, yes, he will stand for you. Oh, your victory will come, not the way you think it should, but my great Jehovah just loves a paradox. Just stay in your position. Watch the miraculous come into action. Our God is tremendous. His strength never faileth. And he goes through the fire just to save a sinner. He is almighty. He sends his angels to guide me. There's no storm too powerful. Our God cannot handle. Our God in simplicity revealed. You and me came down from his glory and gave us the victory, the greatest love story. Our God is tremendous. His strength never faileth. He go through the fire just to save a sinner. He is almighty. He sends his angels to guide me. There is no storm too powerful. Our God cannot handle. Our God in simplicity revealed. And you and me came down from his glory and gave us the victory, the greatest love story. Down from his glory gave us the victory, the greatest love story. Casting all my cares on you, I know you love me. Oh, redemption, my blood, my blood, and that's the greatest love story. Oh, for restoration, for redemption. That's what seven angels in a cloud testified. My Redeemer's no longer dead. He's 
risen and he has come back for you and so I'm casting all my cares on you Come back for 